Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Francisco L. Borges and the Melville Charitable Trust. This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Election Day, November 2nd, is less than one week away. Last week, we talked with the Democrat vying to be Stanford's next mayor, State Representative Caroline Simmons. Today, her opponent joins us, Bobby Valentine. Now, Stanford is Connecticut's second largest city. It's been battling mold in schools, aging infrastructure, and a housing market that's pricing out low- to middle-income residents. Valentine, a former manager of the New York Mets and the Boston Red Sox and self-proclaimed inventor of the sandwich wrap, has pitched himself as the unaffiliated mayor best positioned to fix his hometown. He has won endorsements from the Stanford Police Association and for the first time, public school teachers represented by the Stanford Education Association have endorsed him. Now, Stanford residents, what questions do you have for Bobby Valentine, or Bobby V, as he's known? You can join the conversation, 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-9677. Or find us on Facebook and Twitter, at Where We Live. Bobby Valentine joins us on Zoom. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Lucy. Good to be on your show. So why do you want to become the mayor of Stanford? Well, as I have given advice to thousands of people during my lifetime, when they ask me what they should be doing with their life, I very often tell them, make sure you can match your passion with your skill set. And here, uh, as I look at the love that I've always had for the city of Stanford, Connecticut, and uh, the people who live here, and I look at the skill set that I have developed over my lifetime of leadership, of team building, of problem solving, of working in the private sector, owning small businesses, as well as working in the public sec- sector, and being the director of public safety, and most recently being uh, serving eight years as the uh, executive director of athletics at a higher ed institution here in Connecticut, Sacred Heart University. I felt that my passion matched perfectly with my skill set to lead a city going uh, in the right direction here in the future. Hmm. Definitely those skills uh, matter in the position of mayor, but for residents, for voters who see that, you know, when you look at your resume, uh, very uh, small experience in government. You mentioned uh, working under uh, Mayor Pavia, of course, but, you know, when when people ask you, but you don't have a lot of government experience, how do you respond to that? You know, are you equipped to be the mayor of Stanford? Oh, I'm sure that that has been thought of and Um, You know, whether or not I needed uh, higher ed experience to go into uh, a higher ed uh, 
situation where I had no experience, became the athletic director of the year and helped transition a known commuter school into a very popular and the second largest uh, Catholic institution in New England. When I was asked about my experience of running a restaurant, uh, I started one in 1980 and the only experience I had was sitting and ordering a hamburger or a Coke. And that turned into one of the most popular and successful restaurant small business uh, enterprises in our city. And when I was asked to do many things in my life, I have understood that there are challenges without direct experience in in that field. But it's about life experiences that matter. It's about working with people. It's about team building. It's about being able to represent all the end of the bench and the top of the bench, represent those who, you know, look like you and speak your language and don't look like you and don't speak your language. And that's what governance in a city is all about. Not the best place to eat lunch in Hartford or even what day of the week the board meeting is. Those things are very easy to understand. Dealing with people in complex situations is what I am bringing to the table. And uh, I think that supersedes anything that uh, anyone else has in this race. Mm. Uh, I mentioned that Stanford is Connecticut's second largest city. It's got an annual budget of 600 million, uh, 3,000 employees. I mean, just those stats alone, that is daunting to people who have no government experience. And so, you know, how would you uh, tackle running a city beyond your leadership, your charisma, Mr. Valentine? Well, once again, I, I just got through running a department with uh, a thousand student athletes and 120 uh, coaches and administrators. And it's about that skill set of bringing people together, of having trust in leadership so that there's teamwork within the structure of this 3,000 employee uh, situation that Stanford is. That is people that you're dealing with, groups of people who need to have trust in leadership so that their individual teams can be successful moving forward. With teamwork comes success. And I believe that a good leader who has experience in building teams and leading is exactly what this city needs. We're going to take some calls from Stanford residents and voters. The number 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-9677. As we talk with Bobby Valentine, who's running unaffiliated for Stanford mayor. Why are you running unaffiliated? You were a longtime Republican. Well, again, I, I don't know what longtime Republican means other than that's kind of the word that's been put out on the other side. But uh, the first person I ever voted for was George McGovern, and that was in 1972, a long time ago. I think he is considered anything but a Republican. I, I 
campaign for Joe Lieberman. I don't think that he's a Republican. I campaigned for Daniel Malloy right here in Stanford, Connecticut. I don't think he's a Republican. So the idea that I worked for George W. Bush when I managed the Texas Rangers and he, yes, was the managing general partner of that team. And we worked side by side and his mom, Barbara Bush, and his Father George H.W. Bush became very good friends of mine. Um, I did, in fact, support that Republican candidate. And I did, in fact, work for Michael Pavia, who's the last Republican to hold the seat in the last 30 or so years in the mayor's seat in Stanford, Connecticut. But to be referred to as a lifelong Republican, I think, is not only misleading, but it's absolutely incorrect. So when we look at Stanford and the demographics, Democrats outnumber Republicans more than two to one, and there are nearly as many unaffiliated voters as registered Democrats. And so running unaffiliated, do you feel like you have a better uh, chance of connecting with these voters, many of them new to your city? Unaffiliated means just that that I'm not affiliated with any political party. I'm not taking their money. I'm not using their data. I'm not giving up uh, friendships or, or jobs that they decide need to be done. I'm not following a policy of any political party because Stanford, Connecticut's a great city, but it's a local city. It's a city that doesn't need to be divided by political divide and hate mongering and thoughts that if you're not part of it, then you're not part of it. Unaffiliated means affiliated with everyone. And I put together groups of people building this organization from scratch without, as I said, any roadmap from any political party. And I'm proud to say that I put together a team of Democrats, Republicans, even an independent, let's not forget that's a party in this city, and unaffiliated that have given their, their money, their time, their energy, over 1,300 uh, members of our community asked for lawn signs in, in, in their lawn. And that stretches across all political parties. There's one candidate that has one party, and that party cannot represent all of the people of the city, that party can only represent the political views, ideologies, and people who are part of that party. And I don't think that's what Stanford's all about. Our schools don't have a political affiliation. Our potholes don't have a political affiliation. We are one, and I believe that I am one for all of us. Let's take some calls from Stanford residents. You can join us as well, 888-720-9677, as we talk to Bobby Valentine, and running affiliated for Stanford mayor. Jackie's calling in from Stanford. Jackie, go ahead. Hi. Um, Mr. Valentine was quoted as having said that um, Caroline Simmons is a 35-year-old girl and he thinks that he could govern better than she could. I'm just wondering if that was the exact statement, if, it, if he recorded correctly, and what the context 
The context was, in fact, um, that I think I can govern better because I have led all of my life. Um, I, I went to Stanford Public Schools where I was taught uh, to respect the competition, to live in a diverse community. You know, my sixth grade class had 40% of the students with me who didn't look like me and didn't um, have the same um, background that I did. I lived in a household where my grandparents only spoke Italian. And when I said uh, that my competition was a girl, uh, I was referring to her private uh, education in a neighboring city when she was in elementary school, junior high school, and high school. And if I offended anyone by mentioning her hometown or that she was referred to as a girl when she was in high school, I totally apologize for that. But understand that if that is offensive, then I ask those who are on this call and others to view some of the hateful deceitful and misinformed flyers that the opposition has put about put out about me calling me names that are much more offensive than referring to someone as a girl when uh, she was in school in Greenwich Connecticut that, so let's let's just let it be balanced with our our understanding of the situation. So that article that Jackie references is was from the Associated Press by a veteran reporter, Susan Haig. Um, I don't think she would misquote you, Bobby Valentine. Let me read the quote from the story. Uh, you said, there's no chance of a 35-year-old girl who grew up in private setting going to a private school in Greenwich could possibly relate to the diverse culture of Stanford, Connecticut better than I do, no matter what the age is. Uh, Caroline Simmons is the current Stanford State Representative. She's Harvard educated. She's 35. She's a mother. Why reference her as a girl? Well, if that was incorrect, I'm sorry. I've been referenced as an old white man, so I, I, I just don't, I don't understand the offense. Mm. I don't think Carolyn Simmons has called you an old white man, has she? Oh, uh, there has been political flyers out there referring to my age often. And so, because you're on the radio with us now, do you want to apologize to your opponent for calling her a 35 year old girl? I just said if I offended anyone, including my opponent, of course I apologize. Again, you're hearing Bobby Valentine here on Where We Live. Joseph's calling in with a question. Joseph, go ahead. Yes, given Bobby's background um, uh, of his diversity in Stanford, I'm just wondering how that diversity would support the current makeup of the city versus his opponent. And I am unaffiliated, so I am looking to get an understanding of how that background would be different than his opponent can bring to the city if, if elected as mayor. Bobby? Yes, well, I try to give the, the voice to those people that I know live in this city of Stanford, Connecticut, and even some that I, I'm meeting for the first time. We are very diverse. And people who know me understand that the 
minority sector of my teams, organizations, and businesses have always been treated not only with a fair hand, but in a with a hand that has tried to move their situation forward. And I think that our police that uh, that endorsed me and our teachers who endorsed me understand totally that if they're going to protect our community and teach our community that they be, that their organizations must be more reflective of the community and I as a mayor would push for that and that when I met last night with the Indian community and the day before with the uh, Moroccan community and with the Hispanic community and with the many different uh, ethnic cultures of our city, the one thing they all ask is a better voice in our city government. And considering that this has been a democratic run city for the best part of 30 years and the diverse population that we have here feels that their voice is not heard, I think a change is needed so that their voice is not only heard, but amplified so that they can be a complete and and, uh, cooperative part of our city and our city government. Francis is calling in from Stanford. Francis, go ahead with your question. Yes, hi, good morning. I was curious, over the last eight or 10 years, it's become extremely difficult for the people who actually work in Stanford to live, to afford to live in Stanford. The police officers, the nurses, the people who work in the hospitals. So what is it in the future that you could help us with in guiding this so that this could be more affordable to all the Stanford residents? Yes, um, of course, we've had a term in our in our city um, since this boom that we've had which has been a spectacular boom uh, that has brought people from uh, all around our community and even from within our community to live in uh, spectacularly uh, equipped buildings that have rental units that uh, serve those who can live in a space that's between 800 and 1100 square feet. Our families who have multiple children have been left aside. Our people in our community who have tried to establish a situation and 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 be part of the American dream of ownership have been left aside because what we have built has been for those who want to rent in our community and be part of our community as renters. Um, I think that we need to incentivize uh, those who build to build units that are for ownership at all different levels of income ability. And we also need to build more rental units that are not classified as affordable housing. Remember, that's a term that mandates a developer who's going to build over 10 units uh, to provide 
10% of those units for below market rate. And to qualify for those units, you usually have to make about seventy or $72,000 in income. And that totally disqualifies many of the people who work in our city. Our city has a great health care system. It has a very large government. And though the Stanford Hospital and our city government are the two largest employers in our city, the third largest employer in our city, the third largest industry is the restaurant industry, who relies on many people who work within that industry to, uh, to provide services. And their salaries aren't over $72,000. So we need to provide housing that's affordable for those people who work here, including the public servants, our teachers, our civic, our civic workers. Yes, indeed, the, the formula that we've been working under in the past is not the formula for all. Can and you, it must be changed, and we need a yeah. change agent to do that. Can you explain, so you support a fund to promote uh, borrowing for affordable housing. Doesn't this fund already exist? It's fairly new. So explain how that would work versus uh, you know just working to have more uh, units that are affordable for many different income levels. Yes, it, it already exists, and it's a fund that is um, uh, controlled by a com- community board and there's a situation um, where the builder instead of offering that 10 percent of what i think non-affordable housing puts a fee in lieu of that into the community fund that community fund could then leverage those dollars in with other government uh, financing to build the fund and then build the units that are necessary to fill the many voids in our community. When we just say we have affordable housing, and that means it's 10% of the new apartment buildings that are being built, uh, I'm just afraid that's a misnomer. And dealing with Charter Oaks and some of the other fine organizations who have the right idea of providing housing for those who need it, they always point to the fact that they need the funds in order to build the the housing. And this is one way to provide those funds. When you look at the the great number of people who've moved into Stanford, many of them are millennials, uh, single professionals, but it's super expensive uh, to rent. And so, you know, talk more about how you would make that city more affordable uh, for these different income levels. Conversely, when we look at other cities that have affordable housing, they silo uh, (laughs) low-income families and people into certain sections of town. How will you make sure that that doesn't happen in Stanford? Well, I would work with the communities and I'd work with the uh, uh, community uh, housing fund who understands exactly all of the concerns of our communities, not only uh, how they live, but where they live and try to secure 
some of the city-owned property in in different areas that could possibly um, provide this this uh, new frontier for many of the people uh, who are looking to live and work in our community. Uh, if, if it was an easy solution, and if it was just the idea that we can get more funding, and if we got more funding from the state or from the the feds, then all the problems would be solved. That's not the situation. The situation is to have a manager, to have a director, to have someone experienced in leading the charge once these funds are accumulated and brought to our city so that they're distributed properly uh, to those who are in need. We have we have needs with our seniors. We have needs with people not only who are just moving to this community, but people who have lived in this community for years and years who no longer want to have their three-bedroom house in the country, but they want to live in our great city where they can walk to the amenities that they're looking for and the inventory for them to own and the inventory for them to rent in downtown is not uh, presented right now uh, and it needs to be addressed in the future by a leader who understands the needs of all of our community. Bobby Valentine, I want to hear more about you know, your plans for uh, Stanford's educational system. We need to take a 90-second break. Also, Stanford callers are still waiting to ask a question of Bobby Valentine running unaffiliated for Stanford mayor. This is where we live. We'll be back after a short break. Support for this podcast comes from Hartford HealthCare. Elevating Health is funded by Hartford HealthCare. ECMO is a leading-edge, life-saving treatment for patients with cardiac or respiratory failure. Dr. Jason Gluck, director of the Mechanical Circulatory Support Program and Emergency Cardiac Care at Hartford Hospital, explains what it is. So ECMO stands for extracorporeal membrane oxygenation, outside the body oxygenation of blood. It's a life support technique that's used by highly sophisticated medical systems for patients with severe heart or lung failure. The technique involves removing blood from the body, oxygening it, and then returning it back. ECMO procedures happen in the ICU, but not all hospitals are equipped with the necessary technology and staff. Dr. Gluck describes Hartford Hospital's ECMO Go team. So ECMO is considered when treatments have failed, and in our center, with a special ECMO on the go team, we'll actually take that technology to their hospital and help them out there if they need to to stabilize the patient and then bring them back to heart for recovery. For more information, go to ctpublic.org slash health. This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Stanford is Connecticut's fastest growing city, but that brings challenges as well, including soaring, soaring property values and a lack of housing that's affordable uh, to many. Also, congestion is another quality of life concern. There's been mold in schools. How will Bobby Valentine work to address these issues? The unaffiliated candidate is running to be Stanford's next mayor. He's here where we live to answer your questions. 888-720-9677. That's 888 720 
1-800-930-WMPR WMPR or find us on Facebook and Twitter at where we live. Versha is calling in from Stanford. Versha, go ahead. Good morning, Mr. Valentine. If you are elected as mayor, you will have a seat on our Board of Ed. And I'd love to hear what are your top two priorities for our schools and how would you use your seat on the Board of Ed advance towards those priorities? Well, thank you for that question. Um, yes, as you mentioned, uh, the mayor has a seat on the Board of Education, but it's not a voting seat. And uh, that means it needs to be a vocal seat. Some people call it a bully pulpit. I would call it a place where all people involved in the system would have a voice at that table. And the most unrepresented sectors of our of our community uh, on that board and with the um, superintendent's office has been the parents and the teachers, the people who take our children to school and the people who teach while our children are in school. And as a mayor, I would be the voice and a very vocal voice representing the parents' concerns and the teachers' concerns to the Board of Education so that the, the operations of our Board of Education are not only uh, done correctly, but they're done in transparency so that all ideas are considered before decisions are made. And when decisions are made, they are quickly related to and, 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 and uh, handed down to the teachers and the parents who live and breathe every day in the educational system of our city. You mentioned the superintendent's office, the Stanford Advocate, reporting that the nine-member current school board is still trying to decide whether to renew the current superintendent's contract. There's been an impasse. You know, again, you, if you're elected mayor, the mayor is a non-voting seat on the Board of Ed. But what's your take on the leadership of Superintendent Dr. Lucero? Oh, I, again, in six months... Uh, I've had one one-on-one uh, -on -one conversation with the superintendent, and um, you know I haven't formed a complete opinion of um, her management style, uh, nor um, her ability to um, lead our educational system uh, in the right way. Um, so I, I'm going to reserve my public opinion and to say that without a doubt, uh, things need to be done differently. And uh, I'm sure that um, she understands that and is very willing and ready to um, lead our education our educational system in the right direction. I will add the Stanford Advocate also reporting that the current superintendent has filed an official complaint against the current board, including allegations of bullying and intimidation against her. So it sounds like there's some real challenges uh, with the types of relationships and uh, trust uh, within the school district, Bobby. Yes, uh, I, I'm afraid that the existing board 
um, and the superintendent have um, not played well in the sandbox uh, together. And um, once again, uh, trust in leadership. The uh, idea that um, attitude filters down from the top and attitude and the proper attitude is what needs our city needs the most. Uh, our our workers in our city and including those in uniform and our teachers and those who do such a spectacular job of serving our community community in the public sector uh, really feel unappreciated. And when you feel unappreciated because of the attitude that's filtered down, whether it's in the educational system or in our system of governance, you usually get discord and you usually get something less than excellent performance. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that attitude uh, could be changed and filtered down properly uh, so that we get the results that we need. Related to schools, you mentioned that under Mayor Pavia, you were the public safety, uh, our public safety director. And I'm wondering if you can talk more about the mold in schools issue and, and how did, how was that addressed under Mayor Pavia and when you were in that position? Well, I wonder why in the last 10 years, the director of public safety hasn't been asked about the mold situation. And yet uh, you're, you're dealing with something that happened over a decade ago when I was director of public safety, when in 2009, there was a report on the school system, all of the school system, the roofs, as well as the trees and the parking lots and how, how uh, the uh, bathrooms uh, flushed properly or improperly. And that 132-page report that was issued at the end of 2009 happened to be reviewed and all situations were uh, reviewed, as, as I remember it, including some water um, situations in seven of our schools. By 2012, when I left, uh, after I had uh, left that position, uh, there was mold uh, that was discovered at one of the schools, Toquam. And this is all a matter of record, folks. This isn't a matter of, of political jargon or negative campaigning or flyers that you got in the mail. Just take the time as the advocate could have done at the beginning of this campaign to inform our citizens of the facts. But the facts are in 2012, when those 12 incidences of mold were discovered by the facilities managers, not the director of public safety, Ted Jankowski, who was there in 2012. It wasn't his duty to inspect the mole. It was a facility situation. And when it was discovered, it was immediately remediated by over 40 contractors who went in and had laser focus for four days to get rid of the mold at that school during a four-day vacation and allowed the schools to reopen without interruption. So to ask or even insinuate that the director of public safety during my tenure had 
any responsibility to remediate mold is not only a, a, a lie and a fabrication, it's just plain out insulting to our entire administration at the time and to me personally. Uh, Bobby, in 2021, are schools in Stanford safe for students and staff? Um, again, six months into this, for me to, to make a definitive statement on mm-hmm. whether or not our schools are safe, I certainly hope this administration has done everything working with the facilities management program to keep our cities schools safe for our children or teachers. I certainly hope so. But if they're not, we need to stop talking about it. I understand that in 2018, the mold situation in our schools was declared an emergency situation. And at that time, Our state representatives, all of them, collectively put together a smaller group to petition the state and get funding in this emergency situation of mold in Stanford, Connecticut. And they got exactly zero. They got no funding in 2018, even though they had all the connections in Hartford because most of Hartford were Democrats, just like most of the delegation were Democrats. So again, we need to do things differently because we know what Einstein said about doing the things the same way and what the results are. I asked that question because you were endorsed by the Stanford Teachers uh, Union, and so I wanted to hear if you know teachers are telling you that they feel safe uh, in your schools. I want to take uh, one more call. Katie in Stanford's uh, been holding. Katie, go ahead with your question. Hey, um, thanks for taking my call. Um, This past year, outdoor spaces have become more critical to residents' day-to-day lives. If elected mayor of this fast-growing city, how would you help support and improve Stanford's parks and create more safe, open spaces for uh, recreation around our communities? Bobby? Katie, you're spot on with um, living in in this world uh, for the last 18 months. The one thing that we all understand is there's been a greater appreciation for being outside and being in the open space. Uh, Here in Stanford, we have 42 parks. Um, We have wonderful shoreline areas, and they are the most underdeveloped uh, assets in our community. I intend on laser focusing on improving those facilities for all of the needs of the community, the youth sports community, the elderly community, the community that understands and appreciates what it's like to be outside in, a, in, in the open air and park space. Since that being said, funding will be needed. And I hope to be able to do what I've done in the past, 
to get the corporate sector, to be involved in community affairs, the millions of dollars that I raised at Sacred Heart University to improve facilities for the student athletes, to build buildings for the student athletes, came mostly from outside the university's realm of fundraising. It did not come totally from alumni. It came from the, the private sector to put into the school sector uh, at Sacred Heart University. And we developed over $25, $30 million worth of facilities, including a building for just rec for the entire campus to enjoy uh, uh, rec activities in a spectacular building, which happens to be named the Valentine Recreation Center. Um, I think that we can recruit dollars from many philanthropic minded corporations who love the fact that we have space for them to have offices and want to have spaces for their employees and themselves to enjoy our community at its fullest. And I know that I can recruit which I've done in the past. Uh, even one, one of my favorite examples is I was had a playoff team in Japan that needed to recruit sponsorships for the playoffs. We had two weeks to do it. In two weeks, I got the Hartford and I got MasterCard to be sponsors of our teams in the playoffs two organizations and corporations that had no affiliation with the Chiba Lote Marines baseball team, but had personal connections with me as a person and convinced their corporations to sponsor our team in the playoffs. That same kind of uh, methodology has got to be used here in our city setting to develop our parks, develop our facilities at our schools and bring additional income into the, the revenue side so that we can provide what is needed in our community. We've run out of time. Bobby Valentine, again, is the unaffiliated candidate in the Stanford mayor's race. Bobby, thanks for coming on the show today. We'll see what happens next Tuesday. Lucy, my pleasure. Thank you very much. And unaffiliate is not independent. It is unaffiliated. Thank you. This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Up next, we get analysis from the Stanford Advocate on this race, one of the most expensive municipal races this election. You can join our conversation. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. We just heard from Bobby Valentine, the unaffiliated candidate for Stanford mayor. This race is one of the most expensive municipal races uh, this election season, uh, both candidates topping over $1 million. Today, also, Hearst Connecticut Media's editorial board endorsed 
Valentine's opponent, Representative Caroline Simmons for Stanford mayor. For analysis on this race, I want to welcome back to the show Brianna Gerchulo, politics reporter at the Stanford Advocate. Brianna, welcome back. Hi, thanks for having me again. So where to begin? Uh, Let's talk about a a story that broke uh, yesterday, a lot of reaction to how uh, Mr. Valentine uh, referred to his opponent. What did you think of his answer? Uh, Well, so he ended up saying, I believe, um, you know, when he said girl, he was trying to refer to her time in school. Um, I mean, the way that the quote came across, it said 35 year old girl. Um, but I mean, he, he did kind of apologize, um, saying that if anyone was offended, he apologized. So, um, you know, I think this comes to a, a a broader theme of this race, um, which is about, uh, generations, you know, he's 71, she's 35. There's, that significant gap. Um, it's also uh, something that's been highlighted throughout the race is hometown. Um, Bobby has emphasized that he's born and raised in Stanford. Um, you know, there have been mailers put out highlighting the fact that Caroline is uh, from Greenwich and there's some misunderstanding out there about how long she has been in Stanford, um, which is about eight years. Um, and uh, it's, it's kind of <laughs> clearly uh, everything is coming to a fever pitch now as we get into the last week of the race. That's right. And also uh, his comment that uh, the other campaign has called him old. Uh, you know, uh, Senator Winfield tweeting that, you know, how does tit for tat help uh, in this uh, situation when you're called out for calling an adult woman a girl? So it'll be interesting to see if this translates to, you know, how people are going to be voting uh, next week, uh, Brianna. Yeah, it will be interesting. I mean, we are in the final days. um, So I have a feeling a lot of people have made up their minds at this point. Um, I mean, already there have been thousands of absentee ballots uh, returned to the town clerk's office. So there's people who have already made their choice. um, But uh, you never know. So we'll see on Tuesday. Uh, you know, before uh, this um, attention on uh, his reference to his opponent uh, the other day in that Associated Press uh, article, there was also the comment about renters, which uh, Bobby Valentine has since apologized for um, the quote, if you're not renting, you're not caring. Um, how have you seen that played out? Because we know that renters make up a good portion of the city of Stanford, Brianna. Yeah. And, you know, kind of going back to what I said, where a lot of people have made up their minds at this point, um, I think. Uh, You know, supporters of Caroline have pointed to that comment um, and criticized him heavily for it. But then his supporters have, you know, defended him saying it was, you know, a 28 second clip. The entire video wasn't available. Um, So it really depends on where you're coming from when you watch that video, I guess. And, you know, even in the interview today, he said, you know, his point is that he wants to incentivize um, builders to build more home ownership opportunities. Um, so that's something that uh, I think the Simmons campaign and the DCC are going to keep hitting Bobby on. Um, whether it's going to, you know, have an effect, it's hard to say. Um, people, like I said, are, are coming to it with different interpretations. He seemed to punt also on the issue of mold in schools. And I'm just wondering, you know, how that issue is playing out uh, in Stanford when we think about infrastructure. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, on mold, it's it's a very complicated issue um, that has um, a lot of players involved. You know, it's the city. It's it's the city seeking state funding. Um, and it's something that's gone back for years. 
you know, like he mentioned, uh, a report came out in 2009 um, saying that there were seven schools that should be assessed for mold. Um, and then it kind of grew into a full-blown crisis in 2018 when mold was found in 11 buildings. Um, and it's something that's carried over from one mayoral administration to the next. Um, so it's, it's going to be, you know, a big issue for whoever wins. Um, and ha- it seems like Caroline and Bobby have have different um, approaches for dealing with it. Um, Caroline Simmons has focused more on um, getting state funding uh, to resolve the issue, whereas Bobby is, is, has said more. It's, it's not so much uh, relying on Hartford. Um, it's, it's, uh, I think he's emphasized more his management and managing the funds, um, that we do have, um, to be honest, it's, it's, uh, it's like I said, it's complicated and it'll be interesting to see whoever wins, how they actually deal with it, um, when they're really in office and, and have <laughs> all of these issues put right in front of them. I ran out of time to ask this question to Bobby Valentine because of our, our callers uh, joining in. But, you know, he is suing the city of Stanford for his own property tax reassessment. Um, so I'm just curious, how's that going to play out if he becomes mayor? Uh, you mean what's going to happen with the case? <laughs> yes. <if he> becomes- <laughs> Are people talking um, about that? Uh, I definitely, you know, I've seen it talked about on social media um, and uh it's uh it's something you know he's also defended as you know his right as someone who lives in Stanford you can appeal um there's an appeal process and if uh, you're not satisfied with the uh, appeals decision you can take it to court um you know the perception of it that's kind of outside of my realm um but uh it's it's again going back to this is we're entering entering into the final stretch of the race and um, all of these things are, are coming up and people, depending on where they stand, are looking at uh, this, these bits of news information differently. You've been listening to politics reporter from the Stanford Advocate, Brianna Gurchulo, here on Where We Live. Brianna, thank you and to your colleagues for their great reporting. We'll be interesting to see what happens in the last uh, less than a week before Election Day. That's right. Thank you so much for having me. And um, just as a note, uh, (laughs) I just want to make clear that the editorial board's decision is completely separate from the news operation. Um, Thank you. uh, Thank you, Brianna. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Today's show produced by Sujatha Srinivasan with help from Abhi Levine. Our tech producer is Kat Pastor. Thanks for listening.